today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, we tell you about an island in Scotland you can buy that is completely uninhabited, and you now need to make reservations to see one of Maui's most popular attractions. Those stories next in the news. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, Mark warns you to be careful of paying in advance for hotel reservations that are non-refundable. As the travel craze cools, we're seeing more restrictions on reservations. I spent part of the week in Washington, D.C. See, and I'll explain why lobbying for the travel industry is a bit different. And then I'll take you along on the first part of our journey on historic Route 66 from Chicago. That comes up at 3.35. And at 3.50, we talk to Dave and Kerry Losco of American Travelers. You may have seen their show on TV in some unique locations. American Travelers, that's what we're about today. Welcome to the latest edition of The Travel Guys. On the road again, Welcome, everyone, to another adventure of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano here with you. Tom's, uh, that's me, uh, in my studio, as usual, and Mark, somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah, somewhere else, out on the old historic Route 66 highway. There you go. Uh, Any particular location as we uh, record this broadcast? Uh, Springfield, Illinois, which is the first of two Springfields we will be stopping at. Did you know Springfield is the most common town or city name in the United States? Well, you know, uh, I did not know that, but there's certainly, I mean, it's pretty easy for folks to be able to pull a few out of their hat almost any time. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, Springfield, which is one reason why the creator of The Simpsons uses Springfield as a Simpsons home, <laughs> because he says that, well, it could be, these folks could be anywhere. So that's, uh, we're here in Springfield, Illinois, which is the capital of the state of Illinois. Um, very nice, very nice city. Did some fun things today. Later on in the show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the places that we've been on this tour. I won't be home until next Saturday evening. So we're going from Chicago to Oklahoma City, and then we have a second uh, tour from Oklahoma City to Santa Monica to complete the route in uh, in the fall. So, yeah, this is one of America's most historic, maybe not the most historic, the Lincoln Highway was first. Um, but this was the first one where they really laid down stretches of concrete and tried to create an expressway, if you would, 1926 is when Route 66 uh, first started. So we are coming up in just a few years will be the centennial of America's uh, most storied highway, I would say. Perhaps not its first, but probably its most storied. All right. Uh, Someone asked me the other day uh, a question, and i got to remember to ask it. I'm not going to ask it now, but I'll ask it when we we get into the Route 66 thing. And that uh, it will be fun to get an answer from you, and I, I, of course, I know you'll you'll have one for us. In the meantime, let's uh, let's get on with the show. At the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the travel news, with the background of Huey Lewis in the news, here's Mr. Um, newsman Mark Hoffman. Alaska Airlines says they are changing the check-in experience. Alaska are the people, you know, those check-in kiosks that are now in the lobbies of every 
airline in the country and every major airport. Well, Alaska Airlines says they were the people who created those. And most interesting of, of all, they intend to be the people to do away with them. Alaska Airlines is investing $2.5 billion in its airport experience over the next three years. And the goal of the project is to get passengers through the lobby and to security in five minutes or less. So Alaska is going to try to prod more people to check in with their phone on the mobile app. Currently, about 70% of their passengers check in before they arrive at the airport, and the airline is hoping to increase that number to 90%. They're going to have new bag tag stations that will use iPad tablets by the end of 2023 in their main airports. And probably in Sacramento, I suspect we won't see this for a little while, uh, maybe until 2024. But hypothetically, Alaska Airlines is saying they're going to simplify simplify further the check-in system. So I wish them well. All I will say is that putting kiosks in the lobby confused as many people as it helped. So I'm not sure that uh, I, I can't tell if this is a bunch of PR BS, Tom, or if it's, you know, Alaska really feels that they've got something that will make things better for people at the airport. Yeah, yeah. As a uh, tour operator uh, and uh, who takes large groups to the airport and gets them all checked in, do you guys use the kiosks or with sports leisure, do you go ahead and, and get everybody checked in for them? We try not to at the Sacramento airport. We Because we do business out there a lot, we tend to know the people with the airlines that we work with. So they will help us make things as simple as possible for people on both sides of the of the check-in counter. But uh, we it's really hard to check in a group of people. So for individuals, it's a little simpler. If you've never used one of those before, um, I'm saying a little simpler, and that probably isn't true for people who haven't used them, but for younger people who are tech, technology-oriented and, and for, for whom things like that are intuitive can breeze through that. But I will tell you that checking in on your phone is much easier. The one thing you can't do is check a bag, of mm-hmm. course, on your telephone. So Alaska is trying to figure out a way to make that a little simpler also. Uh, here is an island in Scotland. This uninhabited Scottish island could be yours for $190,000. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, there's a link to the story. You can see it. Um, they're accepting offers of over 150000 British pounds, which is roughly 190000 in today's exchange rate. Uh, the nearest town is about six miles away. The closest train station is an hour's bus ride from the town. Uh, London and Edinburgh are 350 and 100 miles away, respectively. Uh, The island covers about 25 acres, but there are no buildings on it. So uh, (laughs) only a flood pond providing water for livestock and wildlife in winter months. So uh, you you can buy an island in Scotland. And the good news is at low tide, the island can be reached on foot, by tractor, or quad bike. For the rest of the time, uh, there's a beach where boats can be anchored. Okay. So, <laughs> well, yeah. you don't have, I, I guess I should just go to travelguysradio.com and check it out. But w- what size did you say? How big is it? It's 25 acres. So it's pretty good size. Okay. 25 acres. I grew up on a plot of land that was about 20 acres. I know, I know just about how big that would be. Okay. Yeah. Sur- surrounded by ocean and dependent on the tide being in or out as to whether or not you can easily get to the mainland. A lady has signed up to live on a cruise ship for three years. 
Uh, Life at Sea Cruises is selling spaces on board the MV Gemini. We talked a little bit about this recently. Right. Um, it sails from Istanbul on November the 1st. It's uh, This particular uh, lady is a 75-year-old retired high school teacher from California. Um, she's a travel enthusiast, a foreign language teacher. And she's done some traveling around the world. The cheapest rooms on this ship are about $30,000 a year. And uh, she decided that the cost was manageable, and she dumped, jumped in. She took a cabin, one of the cheapest cabins on board. And what I find really interesting here is that um, some of the cruise lines now are starting to put TV screens on the inside cabins, which give you a view from somewhere on the ship looking out at what you would be able to see if you had a window. Oh. So you can take an inside cabin at a considerable saving and still be able to see what's going on outside. For some people, that might be enough. Um, but anyway, uh, the lady says that it, the prospect of living three years in a room with no natural light is not dawning. She plans to treat the cabin like a bedroom, sleep there, and spend a lot of her time other places. She's getting rid of 95% of her possessions before she sets sail. This is interesting. Hasn't told her daughter or grandson she'll be embarking on the cruise yet. I don't want them to try and talk me out of it. <laughs> 375 ports of call over three years. Everything from India, China to Australia, uh, some with multiple night stayovers. So the point of all this is you can now live on a cruise ship for roughly $30,000 a year and and up from there. So won't it be interesting, Tom, to see if over time will more people decide that this is a reasonable way to live? That's fascinating. It really is. Uh, uh, I would so want to uh, speak with somebody about a year in and uh, and see how yeah. it's going. Yeah, it's fascinating. You could you could spend a, a good evening and a bottle of wine uh, chatting about uh, about that. That's fascinating. Yeah, it is. Um, here's a couple of transportation related items. Um, if you've ever been to Austra- uh, to Australia and you've been to Sydney, you know that Sydney Harbor is a massive, massive harbor, much bigger than San Francisco Bay. Um, it's a huge harbor with a lot of of spokes and stuff like that. Driving around it is takes a long time. There are not very many bridges. The first metro train has traveled under Sydney, Sydney Harbor. It's uh, a test program. The tracks have been completed. They're only going at about 25 miles an hour, eventually, of uh, 25 kilometers, which is about 15 miles an hour. Eventually, they'll be going about 70 miles an hour mm-hmm. through the tunnel. So the passenger services start in 2024. Meanwhile, in Norway... This makes perfect sense. They have built the world's longest multi-purpose cycling tunnel in Norway. You can either walk or bike. Um, takes about 10 minutes to get through on bike and about 40 minutes if you're going through on foot, about two miles long. Um, there is a variety of art installations throughout as well as different colors and lighting. And so leave it to the Norwegians. They have figured out a great way to travel underground. Um, there'll even be things that will help users, people know where they are on their journey and offer a sense of direction. So if you're going to Norway, be sure you, and you're a bike, a bicycle enthusiast or you like to walk, make sure you check out the new underground tunnel. Uh, Maui is going to require advanced reservations at Iowa Valley State Monument. Um, for those of you who have been to Maui, you know it's the big mountain that's in a valley, looks like a needle, literally, mm-hmm. an upside-down needle. Um, it's You've always been able to just kind of drive up there. Starting 
the first of next month, you will need to have advanced reservations for park entry. This is the fourth Hawaii state park to implement advanced reservation requirements for visitor entry. Of the other three, the most popular is if you want to hike Diamond Head, you have to have a reservation. Mm -hmm. A couple of other quick items here. TSA is warning travelers over the increase of firearms at airports. This is something we've talked about before. The numbers for the first quarter of 2023 are up 10% over 2022, uh, they compens- confiscated about 1,500 firearms. The most alarming factor here is that approximately 90% of them were loaded. Oh, boy. So it makes someone think, when is one of those going to get through and some idiot's going to be on an airplane with a with a loaded gun? But anyway, it doesn't it not strike you, Tom, that I don't care how stupid you are. But if you go to the airport with a loaded gun and you try to get on the plane with it, that there should be some penalty for that? There should. So you're saying that in most cases they just say, oh, you can't take this on board. We're, gonna, we're taking right. your gun, and, but you can go ahead and get on the plane. No, there really, should can, be, there really should be some ramifications. Well, it just seems like because a lot of the folks who do this claim, you know, it was completely by accident. I, I personally don't own a gun, so I don't. I'm not really qualified to speak from that standpoint, but it just seems to me like if you were going to accidentally be carrying a gun, you wouldn't be carrying it loaded um, because that would be a safety issue. So I I just so those of you who are gun enthusiasts or own guns and use them for sport, maybe traveling with them to some type of event where you're going to have a, you know, where there's reason to take the gun with you. Um, because it's a shooting contest or something competition, uh, make sure that those weapons are in your checked bags, that they're properly secured. Um, go online, find out ahead of time. Just know that the TSA folks are going to pick them up because they're picking the guns up. And now you find yourself at the airport with a loaded gun. You can't get on the plane. They're not going to keep the gun. So, you know, you, now you're going to miss your flight. Your life's going to get a lot more complicated. So just figure it out ahead of time and don't take the gun to the airport. And finally, one last thing, since we call ourselves the travel and entertainment guys, Barry Humphreys, Australian comedian who is best known for his alter ego, Dame Edna Everidge, mm-hmm. passed away yesterday at the age of 89. Um, Tom, I don't know if you're familiar with um, with Barry Humphreys, but this character that he created uh, was an absolute riot. He came here and, and toured the in the U.S. a couple of times. Very popular with our travelers. Um, he survived. He 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 got dressed up in this crazy outfit with these horn rimmed glasses mm-hmm. and uh, lilac covered hair and um, all of these and, and 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 called his fans possums. Always was saying hello possums. And anyway, he is survived by his wife. And four children. And uh, the prime minister of Australia has called him a national hero. So um, the passing of Dame Edna. And that's your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys. Remember, TravelGuysRadio.com for links to our special guests and all kinds of stuff to make you a smarter traveler. We're going to talk about non-refundable reservations. Mark, when I would get ready to book not only uh, hotel rooms, but automobile reservations quite often you could save a considerable amount of money by by paying ahead uh generally speaking though these trips were ones that were pretty guaranteed that i would go i did uh, on occasion i in fact one time i recall uh did have to cancel i think it was a 
$50 cancellation fee. They didn't keep it all. But uh, let's let's talk about this. Well, um, there's and we've got a couple things to go over here, Tom, in kind of a short segment. So um, the biggest warning, this comes from our friend Chris Elliott. Um, he says that the summer travel may turn out to be a little different than people think. Um, he senses, and the, the people he's talking to say attitudes are shifting from people saying, oh, I've got to go there, I've got to go there, it doesn't matter what the price is, to, oh, the price, it's that much? And it's non-refundable? And uh, I don't know. I, I I think I'll wait a while. And so we're seeing everything. Uh, Chris talked to everybody, but from a small innkeeper in Quincy, California, to um, executives at a couple of airports. And he says that you know these the, the travel companies went, especially hotels, went soft on us after the pandemic. They refunded non-refundable rooms and waived fees and things like that, but no more. Especially in the popular resort places, um, they are. Are creating reservations that um, are non-refundable, um, not just a couple of days in advance, but in some cases right after you've made the reservation or 30 or 60 days in advance. So they are also sensing that people are getting a little bit softer in their commitments. Um, the theory here is that people just, you know, they were starved for travel. And now with the prices being a little bit higher, that they may be a little bit pickier. And as a tour operator... At Sports Leisure Vacations, I'm kind of seeing that. Now some of our travelers are starting to pass on things they've seen before, um, trips that we offer regularly. Uh, They're still interested in new and interesting destinations and stuff, but they are definitely being pickier than they were being before. And so Chris's wisdom is don't plan too far ahead. Um, It's only a, a... matter of a short time ago, the conventional wisdom was to book now or lose any chance of a vacation. Um, Chris says, look for early sales. If you can get a good price early and get a sale, even if there are some restrictions, that that might, may turn out to be to your advantage. But he also says, avoid the hot spots. If for another year you can keep from going to the most popular uh, summer vacation spots and visit a secondary spot, then you may be able to escape some of these high prices by next year. Does that make some sense? It does. Uh, you know, here again, I think those that were just dying to go somewhere finally did. Uh, and they went at any cost. And like you say, yep. now they're they're looking a little harder at that and a little harder at their dollars. And, uh, uh, and I think you're a, a great meter, you at Sports Leisure Vacations, as to what it is that your people go for. And like you pointed out, the uh, things they've seen and done a few times, they're they're kind of passing on and looking for the new stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. They're being. I think they're just being more discriminating. And I and what Chris is saying here, and he's talking about a much broader demographic than the mature travelers that travel with me. But I, but to me, he's talking about a broader demographic, which tells me that he may be on to something here. Um, the the other thing I wanted to. To mention to folks here, um, while we had just a minute, was um, has to do with passports, and uh, a lot of folks are waiting a long time for passports, and then they're finding out that they're getting a notice and saying, "Well, there's a problem here," or they're getting to the airport and they're finding out that the ticket doesn't. I have a traveler on tour with me now who was telling me a story very similar to this the other day, where the 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 middle name didn't match the middle name on their passport. So if their passport was, their middle initial was B, then their full name was spelled was spelled out Brian. 
On the passport, it said B. On uh, the ticket, it said Brian. And now, especially on international stuff, in his case, they wouldn't let him on the aircraft. So he actually had to book for the following day, even though he had a number of things on him that showed that, you know, he regularly used both of his full name or his middle initial. So this appears to be mostly happening with middle names or with people who are um, William and Bill. Um, You know, you've got a formal first name and there's a nickname that you've used for years and years and years and years. And you didn't think about the fact that your passport reads something different. So if you buy a ticket for international travel, my suggestion to you is that you should have your passport sitting right there next to your computer or your telephone, however you're buying the ticket. And as soon as it comes over the Internet or as soon as you can see it and to make absolutely certain, because, you know, we have this 24 hour rule with domestic stuff where you can change things. But with international stuff, it's not quite so simple. Our friend Charlie Leoka from Travelers United had an experience with this recently and is sharing that it was really difficult. They actually had to cancel the ticket and start over. And because it was the next day when he caught it, the sale he had tapped into was over and the tickets cost him $300 a piece more. So he's just trying to share that if you're especially if you're buying international travel, as soon as you can look at that ticket, make absolutely certain that the the name on the ticket matches completely and perfectly the the name that's on your passport, even initials or one a misspelling of a couple of letters that were flipped or something like that can be an issue with international travel. So words to the wise, be careful. All right, Mark, uh, how was your visit to Washington, D.C. just recently? Well, um, went was in Washington for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Uh, U.S. travel, which is the umbrella un- under which all of us in the travel industry ultimately fall, um, does an event every year where they go up on the hill and press their, press their issues. And the most interesting thing about travel, Tom, is that it tends to be bipartisan. Most... Congress people or senators are in favor of revenue and increased business in their area, no matter um, almost no matter what the consequences are. And I mean, there's probably lots of examples of that. But travel in many cases can create reasonably clean uh, <clears throat> revenues for an area and uh, for a destination. And so if you can pump up your travel revenues while you're creating jobs and you're creating hotel taxes and all of those wonderful things. So when the travel industry goes to Washington, it's it's a little different than if the roofers or the medical people or somebody else goes, because then you may have one side of the fence and the other side of the fence with the travel industry. Really, I can talk to I can go into Republicans office and frequently say give the same pitch as I gave in a Democrat's office 30 minutes beforehand. You generally are not talking to the representatives and the senators themselves. You're talking to their staff members, and that's really what you want because those people are very busy and are hit with a lot of stuff, so they count on their staff to be able to talk to people like me, and then the staff determines if whatever it is, whatever my ask was or asks, in other words, what did you want the congressperson or the senator to do for you, Um, And then they determine, put those on a scale and give them, pass that information along, and then you either get action or you don't. But with travel, in many cases, um, the things like, for example, we were bringing to their attention the fact that um, passports are very hard to get right now. 
that's not as important to them because passports are people leaving the country. What they're really interested in is the fact that it takes two years for some people to get a visa to get into this country. International visitors spend a tremendous amount of money and are a huge positive balance on our national budget. So the more international travelers, hypothetically, who come here respectfully and spend their money, the better it is for the United States. So it was easy to make that ask, and everybody took a lot of notes. And um, other asks have to do with foreign visitors that come, foreign uh, people who come in over the summer on special visas to work for the summer at places that need extra help and and things like that. There generally are not... um, these are big picture issues and not you're not going to Washington to pitch your own private agenda. You're going to pitch your industry's agenda, even if your industry's agenda isn't quite what yours is. But um, had an opportunity to go to uh, Ami Barra's office and Doris Matsui and to um, both of our state senators and things of that sort. The funnest part of the whole thing is you're usually in a group of people. I wasn't this year, but sometimes you'll have people from other states in your little group of four or five or six people who go around on a schedule. And sometimes you get to go to the offices of other representatives and senators. I can, I'll never forget a couple of years ago, it's been more than a couple of years now, of being the office in the office of Bob Dole, um, who was a senator from Kansas. And we was in there with someone of his constituents. And I don't know what subject they got on, but it turned into uh, Bob Dole was a stand-up comedian. And he told <laughs> jokes that had us laughing on the floor, on, practically rolling on the floor for 10 or 15 minutes. I'll never forget it. Um, so the opportunity sometimes to meet some of these people and realize that the way that you see them on television or when they're ranting and raving or quoted in the newspaper, that there's a different side to them. And that sometimes you can reach that side and you can make a point. And there's I, I always suggest people that you should not go through your life and not be a citizen lobbyist at least once because it really helps give you a little bit of an understanding how the system works, good, bad, or otherwise, it's a good thing. Mark, over the years, uh, you've uh, been around people that have lobbied for a number of different uh, different causes and stuff. Can you, uh, can you name one or two that started off uh, at the uh, grassroots and uh, through the lobbying of the folks with the travel industry m- made some progress and got something done? Just about anything that involves restrictions on the airlines um, is like pulling teeth. So anytime you, you get a victory over the airlines, even a small one is uh, as big for consumers. Uh, Charlie from Travelers United could probably tell you about all of that. Um, getting smoking eliminated from airplanes um, was very, very difficult. Um, that's been a long time ago. Some people probably don't remember it, but that was something that took a long time yeah. and a lot of effort um, to get through. That's one that comes immediately to mind. Um, some of the others involving safety restrictions, um, how the TSA works, um, things that, and, and tweaking of those restrictions and the like are, are because that's really our job is to as constituents is to report back to these people and say this works or this doesn't. And here's our ideas for how to change it. And then you hope that some of that settles in and that you, you make some progress on things that you need to that need to be that could be changed and benefit both the airlines, you know, could benefit people on both sides of the fence, the hotel and the person checking into the hotel, the airline and the person flying on the airline. Fascinating. All right. Well, OK, uh, let's move on. We're about halfway through this segment. Uh, you want to turn the page and talk a little bit about Route 66? 
I do. I do. And I, I promise we're going to talk um, some more about this next week because I'm going to spend almost the entire week with 28 wonderful people from the Sacramento area. And we're we're traveling the old highway, the mother road, the main street of America, if you will. Um, route 66 began as a highway in 1926. It was the first road from Chicago to Los Angeles. Now, the Lincoln Highway started in 1912. Uh, it was a little different from 66 because Lincoln was a series of roads. They said, well, take this road and this road and this road and this road, and you can cobble them all together, and eventually you can get across the country. Route sure to- 66 was more, let's create some expressways, yeah. some four-lane paved roads through the heart of the country where people could really get places dependably and in a reasonable time. And so that was how Route 66 was created. Those folks who are listening who have been on the planet for a while will remember there was a very popular television show um, back in the previous century about Route 66. It had a couple of guys who weekly told you of their adventures out on the old highway. And interestingly enough, only two of those episodes were ever actually filmed on the old highway. Most of them were filled in a, filmed in a Hollywood lot. But nonetheless, um, we are out here now. We started in Chicago. Um, four days ago, and we are 10 days to Oklahoma City. Now, if you go and you look at a map and you're going to say, well, gosh, that's only a little over a thousand miles. Why would it take you 10 days? Because there are all these wonderful things on the road that you have to stop and do. This is an adventure. This isn't an adventure of seeing how fast you can get there. It's an adventure of seeing how many great people and unusual places that you can visit. Let me just give you an example here of the first couple of days of our tour. First of all, if you're ever in Chicago and you're, you're there overnight and you have an opportunity to have breakfast, there's a place called Lou Mitchell's in the Loop in downtown Chicago. It's uh, just a few blocks from the Palmer House Hilton. Uh, Lou Mitchell serves the best breakfast in the country. They're the nicest people. The prices are unbelievably reasonable. Um, it's just a great meal and a wonderful experience. Lou Mitchell's in the loop in Chicago. Um, they have been there almost as long as Route 66 has. Um, we stayed at the Palmer House Hilton in Chicago. Eh, hate to diss people on the radio, but if I had an opportunity to stay there again, I'd pass. It's an old hotel. It's not doing well. Um, it's not inexpensive to stay at. If the Palmer House is something that's on your list, do your homework first. As you head out on the old highway in Illinois, um, right away, as soon as you lose, leave Joliet and the, the wonderful museum there, um, you're going to start hitting a series of small towns. And the beauty of the old highway here in Illinois is that most of it still exists. In some cases, it's a frontage road to the interstate, but in some cases, in most most cases, it goes through the little towns and gives you an opportunity to see what they're all like. And to me, that's sort of what travel is all about. There's a great bakery in Pontiac. There is a place in Funk's Grove where they have um, where they take maple syrup out of trees. Literally, it's pure maple syrup and sell it to folks. They sell it S-I-R-U-P, not like not exactly like we spell syrup. Uh, In Springfield, Illinois today, um, there is a Lincoln Presidential Library. Presidential libraries are terrific almost no matter where you find them. This one is really excellent. Um, They have some special effects things, uh, a couple of shows in the library and stuff. One of them is right out of Disney and is really, really well done. I've not been to a presidential library that I enjoy as much as this one in Springfield, and they've improved it 
tremendously. Um, today we went to the Ace Sign Company here in town, a sixth generation sign making company. Um, not open to the public, so it, it had to be a special reservation for a group. But they have built many of the signs along Route 66 in this section of the country and explained how all of that was done. We stopped at a place called Route History, um, which told us the history of people of color traveling on the old historic highway and how difficult it was in the 20s and 30s and 40s. And you had many towns across the country that were called sundown towns. In other words, if you were a person of color or of a designated minority group, you had to be out of town or somewhere inside by sundown. Um, Interestingly enough, Tom, Folsom, California was one of those sundown towns. Um, There's a great story behind all that one of these days we'll we'll address the whole thing on the air when we have time had dinner this evening at the cozy dog drive-in here in springfield which they claim is where the corn dog was invented some people will in other parts of the country dispute that but they call them the cozy dog because nobody could eat just one you have to have at least two which makes them cozy dogs um as you might be guessing here this is something out of a truly different era I mean, it's it's in a couple of days we are going to walk on a bridge over the Mississippi River, the only pedestrian bridge over the Mississippi River uh, down in St. Louis. So um, sorry, I've talked your ear off here, Mr. Romano, hey, without I, giving you much chance to jump in. But well, I, I'm just just here waiting with that, my one question that okay. I was asked to ask. OK, you uh, you do this by motor coach. Right. In between stops. Mm hmm. How do we entertain ourselves on the motor coach? Well, same way you would entertain your... Go ahead. I was going to say, do you do your stand-up? No, no. Well, um, you've got a tour director. On any time you're on an organized tour, you're going to have a tour director who hypothetically would know something about the areas you go (laughs) go to. But good question. We pick up step-on guides along the way. We had a gentleman uh, who joined us yesterday who has joined us on our Route 60 trips, six trips for many years, and narrated the stretch in Illinois that's very passionate about, that he's written a book about. Told us about the history of, yeah, the history of all of these places. Like the diner we passed, that um, the road came by the front of the diner, and then they moved the road, so it came by the back of the diner. Well, that was really a problem, so what did they do? They picked up the diner and turned it around. Whoa. Um, Yeah. Um, Tomorrow we're going to see a man at Henry's Rabbit Ranch. I think I've told this story on the air before where the guy who bought... (laughs) two rabbits for his daughter and didn't make sure they were the they were of the same sex and suddenly had a lot of rabbits. Um, we're going to go and stop at a place tomorrow, uh, our old restaurant that uh, a good buddy had called the Pig Hip. And uh, he, he met Colonel Sanders one night and was trying to sell him the fried chicken recipe and the whole story of that. So it's just it's all about the stories, the people and the stories. And I promise I'll have a hundred more of them for you next week. Here to make you a smarter traveler. Had you been listening possibly back in about 2014, our uh, special guests today were were on our program back then when their project was in, in its infancy, to say the least. And I'm talking with Dave Losco and Kerry Losco uh, with uh, American Travelers TV. And Dave and uh, Kerry, from what I've read and what I've seen, and I've seen some of their episodes, travel the world. 
and take you with them on their adventures. Tell me, what's been the most exciting and interesting place that you've seen so far? You know, they all have their their own uniqueness and, you know, wonderful aspects of, of the places we've seen. I think the most beautiful beaches, uh, I'd have to say, was Grand Cayman. And there's a lot to do, and the people are really friendly, easy to get around. Uh, not a lot of traffic when we went. Of course, a lot of the Car- Caribbean islands are beautiful. Dave, walk people through uh, any episode as to what they can expect to see when they see uh, one of the American Traveler's episodes. When we travel, we try to pick the must-see places and then sometimes some out-of-the-way places. And then we try to show our viewers what they could do if they took the same journey as us so that they could learn from us to find out if that's someplace they want to go. Also, we do special interest stories. For example, we were traveling in a little town called Hurricane, Utah, and we went to a museum to do a little filming, ran across the, a proprietor there who built these little wagons. They were like state, uh, stagecoach wagons, like old primitive wagons that people would travel across the United States in the 1800s. He built these to scale, and he explained every part on <laughs> on each type of wagon and how they worked. And one interesting fact was uh, all of our wheelbases on our cars was originally designed from the chariots in Rome, oh. which I thought was, who would ever think of that? So our train tracks, our cars all have roughly the same wheelbase. So what was good about this story is we learned all this in uh, – Two weeks or three weeks after we got home, we started the edit, and uh, the guy had passed away. So uh, we were able to get that segment of our show done to Memorial. So we, we like stories like getting behind the scenes. In New Zealand, we went to a ice cream shop that made these fancy cones and different kinds of ice cream with art. You know, art is the main mm-hmm. topic, and uh, that was so interesting, so different than what we see yeah. every day. We, we look for stories and, and places that are unique and that, uh, well, we consider real film-worthy, of course, but just the backstory of how these people got started in these businesses, and uh, it just uh, is over, you know, it's just amazing, overwhelming, the, the start to where they where have, you know, their journey to where they've gotten. I'm about to head out on a trip on Route 66. In fact, as folks are listening to this, we will be out on the old mother road in uh, between Chicago and Los Angeles. So off the beaten track is something that I can really identify with. Oftentimes, if you just get, you know, there's the big thing to do in town and the next biggest thing to do in town. And if you dig around a little bit, you can find some people in town who really have an interesting story to tell. It sounds like that your segments are people oriented. They're ending up to be uh, maybe in the beginning it wasn't quite the focus, but um, as we go along, I think what I would you know say about our travel show is it's given us purpose to really dig a little deeper and not just you know uh, go to the sites uh, quickly see them and, and move on just to dig a little deeper get to know the people. Based on your travels, can you give our listeners a, a few tips? 
if they're traveling to new locations, especially those that are somewhat remote and exotic, uh, some some tips that you might have uh, that you would like to share with them to make them smarter travelers? Well, for example, our next trip is to Italy. And uh, first thing we do is we research online, you know, where we're going to go, that type of thing. But we also research, like, what are some of the hazards? Like, So I guess in Europe, I guess pickpocketing is a thing. So we're going to wear, we're going to wear like uh, fanny packs, you know, that type thing. So that would be one tip is the, I guess kids will come up to you and then while they're talking to you, somebody might pick your pocket in the back. So that's kind of a a tourist thing that probably happens in many countries. But uh, that's one tip. Uh, Another thing is instead of getting the currency there. So in Italy, we're going to Italy and Austria. So instead of getting our euros there, I went to the bank a few days ago and got uh, euros here. And and it used to be you could just go to the bank and get your euros the same day. Now you have to order them. So then it takes a couple days for you to get your, your currency from the bank. So that's one tip. Yeah. Another thing that you might, consider is we're um, using quick dry clothes in case you uh, aren't near a place to do laundry you can just uh, wash your clothes and hang them in your shower you don't have to pack heavy so if you all your clothes pack type washable clothes that will dry overnight all right why don't uh, why don't you tell us to tell our listeners where they can see american travelers okay american travelers well first of all we're in uh, what they call digital signage so since 2015, we're in two different companies that show our uh, short episodes in car dealerships, gyms, waiting rooms, any place where there's a captured audience. Got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, for us, that's been good because we get a uh, we got a report in 2019 that we're getting 64,000 views a day. It was one of them. Uh, but if they want to just go online and check, uh, we're on the. Full episodes are on, which are 30-minute episodes, are on um, the streaming channel called Tubi, T-U-B-I. And then also we're on um, YouTube. And we'll have a link um, to your to your episodes online at TravelGuysRadio.com. So if you're listening and you'd like to uh, see a sample of one of the American Traveler shows, why go to TravelGuysRadio.com and we'll have a link there. You guys stay well. Thanks for joining us here on the Travel Guys. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. American Travelers. I, uh, I'm i jealous. I wish I would have thought of that idea, Mark. Well, uh, we're I'm going to be an American Traveler for the next week. So we'll be back next weekend with uh, some more from Route 66 from Missouri and Oklahoma and Kansas. And in the meantime, dance like nobody watching. Stay well, my friends. See you next week right here on The Travel Guys.